Low self-esteem is like driving through life with your handbrakes on. Maxwell Martz. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Side Note with Deterrence. Today we're going to be talking about the power of self-belief. Self-belief is having confidence in your own abilities and judgment. Now, not everyone automatically wakes up with intense belief in themselves. This is usually built over time. Either way, it's important to have a good level of self-belief in order to be able to navigate this crazy world with enough gas in the tank. I know from personal experience that it's extremely easy to lose what little self-esteem you have if you do not have a strong personality. I grew up being an introvert, and every time I fell short or failed at something I wanted, my confidence took a knock, and this affected my self-belief in the long run. It was only when I started working on myself and building my confidence that I started observing a rise in the belief I had in myself. Your self-confidence is directly related to your self-belief, so it is important to take actions which will improve the level of confidence you have in yourself. See, you cannot achieve anything of significance if you do not believe in yourself. You need to be your number one fan before others can join in. Having a low self-esteem will greatly delay your growth in life as you will not be able to reach your true potential and live a truly fulfilled life. So for today's episode, we are going to have a special guest who is going to join us and discuss this topic further. My guest today is a young lady who is the owner of the brand Lady T237. Tina is based in Toronto and happens to be my little sister. So without any further ado, Let's call Tina and welcome her to the show. So, hello, Tina. Uh, welcome to Side Note with Deterrence. We're very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Deterrence. It's a pleasure. So, where are you calling from today? I'm calling actually from Toronto, Canada. Wow. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, how is the weather over there? Over here, it's like pretty sunny and it's bright. It's actually a beautiful day. Yeah, I think it's almost midnight here, so you're keeping me up late, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, so I already gave a little introduction to the viewers as you're the founder of the Lady T27 blog. Uh, could you just let in, give the audience a little insight of, like, who you are as a person? Yeah, sure. So I'm called Tina Nalover, um, also known as Lady T, the founder of um, LadyT237.com, which is a Cameroonian blog. We focus on Cameroonian entertainment. Um, we tell you what the stars are up to. And um, in 2020, we launched our official merchandise line, which has been doing great as well. So um, I'm a brand owner based in Toronto, Canada. I also have a nine to five job, but um, I'm also like handling my uh, brand on the side. Cool. So you're a hustler. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> That's what the podcast is all about. Understanding the hustler and hustler's mindset and, you know, living a successful life. Uh, today, we're, today we're talking about self-belief, you know, um, one of the ingredients, I believe, which is key to basically having a successful life, uh, depending on what you define as successful, is having a good sense of self-belief, believing in yourself, you know, knowing. So basically, from your perspective as a brand owner and from your experiences, what do you understand to be self-belief? Um, to me, self-belief is... Um, as simply as I can put it, it's just believing in yourself. 
Um, literally, it's not rocket science. It's all about just um, being your number one motivator, your number one cheerleader, uh -huh. uh, having that passion, that zeal to do something and not having any doubt per se that would deter you from doing it. It's you taking your goals till the end, believing that you can do it, right? right. Uh, it also goes with your relationships with people. Like, okay, you believe in yourself that, okay, you've got things under control. You, you're not easily intimidated. You're not easily dissuaded from doing things. Right, so okay. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And in, in your opinion, do you think this is something that is, uh, is like nature versus nurture? So is self-belief something that you nurture or is it something that is innately? in someone um i i do believe it's something predominantly nurtured um it's something you've learned over um, over the years with time it's sometimes um easily noticed from a, a young age in certain people where, whereas others learn later on in life um but i'm not too sure if it's like inborn i am right. not sure you right. just boom with it. I believe you can easily detect it um, when you're younger or later on in life. So I think it's more about nurture than nature. So what's your personal experience? So you would say you basically nurtured your self-belief growing up then? Correct. And I didn't even know it was called self-belief. I just knew it was me just going to get things done, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it was more about, um, it was very early for me. They, mainly because of my uh, childhood. I had three brothers. I have three brothers, but uh, when I was growing up, um, we all lived in the same house with my three brothers and my uh, dad was very stern, but very stern, but very, um, very loving. And my mom was also very supportive. So that alone put me on a very hard spot. I was like on a pressure cooker, so I had to get things done. Right. And I became very outspoken because when you live with three boys, if you don't talk loud and hard and, you know, if you don't make yourself present, they won't hear. So I learned to, to, to be outspoken, to mm -hmm. be driven, to be pushful. And uh, with time, we just moved to studies and moved to passion, it moved to hobbies and all of that. So, yeah, I think okay. it was early for me. Yeah, and just for the, just just to clarify this for my listeners, so Tina and I are actually siblings, okay? So just let <laughs> yeah, she know. So when she talks about the three brothers, <laughs> I'm one of them. Uh, but on a, I think for, for my case, um, my self belief came at a very very late stage in my life. So I, I, I grew I grew up most of my youthful age with little or no self confidence, which yeah. had, you know, obviously, uh, which is ironic because we grew up in the same home. We had you know, but different the, the circumstances influenced us differently so mm -hmm. i'm a firm believer that you have to basically work on yourself believe because right now the level of confidence i have you know when i walk into a room or when i do business dealings is completely different from when yeah. i was younger so mm -hmm. uh, I, I believe it's definitely a nurturing aspect um sure. so but what do you do then in the aspects where you witness a dip in your self-esteem so how do you recover from that there are very, 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 very few times where my self-esteem have really like been low. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, it's very hard. It's a very hard moment. It's hard to get back up to say, to, it's hard to acknowledge that you're down to begin with. Yeah. And extremely hard to get back up and say, okay, that was just a phase. I need to keep, keep going and move on, you know. 
And um, to, to me, it was about my support system, my family, people who were around me. And you need to surround yourself with people who know the real you, mm-hmm. not the superficial social media, uh, um, um, shallow conversations. It's so more about a solid people. circle around you. Yeah. Exactly. People right. who know who you are so that when you do go down, it's important you talk to people and say, I'm down and they can remind you of who you are. Mm-hmm. So you're back on track. And right. also it's about yourself understanding that I am down, but I'm not done with what I wanted to achieve. So I need to get back up. Um, so in, in moments like that, speaking from experience, I would remind myself of why I started the process to begin with. I would rewrite my goals, rewrite the decision I took, and just visualize like a visual board of why I want to get this done. And even though it's hard and there are challenges, I need to get it done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if it gets really hard, I would talk to people who are suddenly behind me to be like, hey, because what many people fail to understand about believing in yourself is you're not an island. Even though you believe in yourself, you're a go-getter, you can get things done, you need that community, that support system, people who can contribute to your thought process when, you, when you're going down. So I think those are just the little tips I can give when you do go down because it's quite it's quite common when 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 you're on your journey yeah i mean you mentioned visualization i think that's something i already i think i, I talked about in my last episode or so and i do a lot of visualization for like personally uh just to get really fixated or so to speak obsessed with my, with my yeah. goal and obviously visualization on itself is useless if you don't have the action steps to reinforce that uh exactly. that, that confidence right so um and I think that um, if we take, for example, the case of your of your blog and the journey of how you got there, uh, it, it, is it safe to say that you know that degree of obsession, so to speak, was a contributing factor to ensure that you don't lose that uh, self confidence in your ability to become a successful blogger? Yeah, I had to constantly remind myself why I was doing it. There were a lot of people who really didn't want me to do it. And the thing about people who do not believe in you, they're very vocal. Yeah, and of course. <laughs> you, you need to tune it all off. You need to tune it out. You need to literally be in your bubble and remind yourself why you're doing it. So I, for one, I reminded myself, okay, I want to do this for this reason. And in as much I had, I had just maybe... 50 followers on Facebook and people were like, really, what are you doing? You're never going to be, you're not going to succeed. Why are you wasting your time? You can blog about something else. Why are you blogging about this? Why is your blog this way? So there are always going to be opinions and people trying to deter you. Society as a whole is literally just a minefield of people, people's opinions and suggestions and contributions. Yeah. So what I just reminded myself was exactly why I want it. If you don't have the why you want to do something, it's extremely hard for you to literally take it to the end. Yeah. You need to know why you're doing something. If you're not passionate enough, you won't be able to do it. So right now we currently have about 6,000 people following us on Facebook, about 1,500 people on Instagram, and the, the list goes on and on. But it's a journey, you know, it's a Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I always say, like, um, people who disagree with you or who tell you they cannot do something most likely are projecting their fears to your story. So they cannot do it 
right? So if they can do it, why are you doing it? So they're projecting that fear and listing all the things that they believe would go wrong if they did it as yours. And Great. you just have to ignore that. Um, mm -hmm. so, so what do you say to folks who say some things are just set in stones and there's no amount of confidence or self-confidence that can change what it's meant to be? No, I don't believe in that. To be quite honest, if you can literally visually visualize yourself doing something, then there are there is a possibility for you to do it. So there's you can no write your own destiny. You would say you that, right? Yeah, you can literally do it. And there's always a saying that they say um, that goes, "Oh, if there is no seat at the table, maybe you're not supposed to sit at the table." No, if there's no seat at the table, maybe you should create your own table. Create your exactly. own. Table. Put your seats and if people share your ideas, bring more seats and have everybody on your table. Life is not a straight line, it's not that rigid. And yeah. I think that, that question is very important because people let society dictate what they want to do in life. You're like, oh, this has never been done. Oh, this is not going to work. What are people going to say? And all of that. Go out there and kick ass. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I said it. Go out there and enjoy <laughs> It's too late now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Go out there and do what you want to do and let people's opinion come second, third, fourth. It shouldn't be like the main thing, factor. Yeah. All right. So just be defiant, like, you know, defy the rules. Just go for what you believe in. Um, I do come across people. I do come across friends, uh, colleagues, you know, uh, acquaintances who have a dream, who are really good at, I don't know, art or something, but they don't follow through with the dreams because they have, um, uh, fear of the uncertainty, you know, fear of failure, and numerous other lists of fears they have, right? So, mm -hmm. um, what advice could you give to those people who are a little bit hesitant to, to basically go out there and put themselves out there for what they truly believe in? Um, I'll start off by telling them that it's not easy. You know, um, I would acknowledge the fact that it's, it's a daunting experience, to be quite frank, to say, I want to do this thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like I would tell them to acknowledge it, to acknowledge the fact that it's, it's hard, it's scary, but then they need to ask themselves, how badly do you want to do it? Okay. Are you missing something if you don't do it? Because I see people who are super talented in photography, writing, and then you see them when they talk about it, they're extremely passionate and you're like, why don't you do it then? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what people are going to say, but Look at how you glow when you talk about it. Look at how you're excited when you talk about it. Imagine how much excitement you're going to have every day by you just doing that thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So acknowledge that it's a scary thing, but ask yourself, how badly do I want to do it? How mm -hmm. can this thing make me more happy, uh, make me more excited? And then start doing it. It's going to be challenging in the beginning, you're going to have a lot of no's, a lot of one likes, two likes, or no one showing up. But then it's all, your, it's all about your history. You're going to build a story and you're going to tell people, when I started, I had just one like. I had just two likes and here I am today. You know, right, yeah. and don't, be, don't do things for people. Do it for yourself. Mm. So at the end of the day, when you go to bed, you're contented that you made yourself happy first. Yeah, yeah. And what? another person would say you know yeah, i think this, this piggybacks into what you said before i mean we have been conditioned most people have been conditioned not to live the life that makes them happy but to live the life that is in conformity with what society dictates so yeah. if you're a lady you know you have to get a decent job at a certain age get married you have a child or two three whatever 
and that and call it a day and just you know stay there and then if you try to do something that genuinely sparks the fire in you people are like hold up wait a minute you're moving out of line right now you should you know and so it's all about trying to take that leap of faith and just hope for the best and put in a hundred percent in it yeah and yeah another factor is the fact that people feel like there's no room for them oh they're they're already photographers out there they're exactly yeah yeah maybe i'm i can't make there's always there's enough there's a saying in the blogging community that there is enough space in the sky for everyone to build their own castle like it's so wide literally do what you want to do because so many people get challenged by look at this um musician he has five million views i have just one thousand or look at this blogger she has two million followers i have literally i am contented with my five thousand i celebrated my five thousand <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. million because i worked hard for them and it's the same thing for the person who had five million when she got her five million she's like i work hard for it so everybody's journey is different yeah and i mean there's yeah but I, 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 there's something interesting like there is there's only one you, right? There's only one Tina, yeah. which means that whatever you're doing, it will have its, it, will, it will be unique because you're doing your version of it. Correct. Okay, so people who always worry about what others are doing and they're doing the same thing as you, but they're not you. So you, at the end of the day, still have a unique product out sure. there. You just have it's to stay true to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one thing too. That's very true to Terry. And uh, what about mindfulness? Um, you know, do you believe in this practice and its impact on self-confidence, you know, where you're more mindful of, uh, of like counting your blessings, you know, being positive in life and basically sending out positive energy to receive positivity? Yeah, to be quite honest, I was told I practice mindfulness, but I did not even know I was practicing mindfulness. I think I'm the one who told you that, didn't I? Exactly. <laughs> because... There are things I do, I don't even know, because to be honest, I'm not too sure about the formal terms of what mindfulness is and exactly what, but I know it's all about you um, being aware of what is around, like being aware of what's happening around you, right? Mm -hmm. Like being grateful, um, studying yourself, like am I down, am I up, Um, how how is my mood, how is my mind so far, Um, am I in a good place, am I struggling, you know? Am I correct, Deterrence? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's basically that um, awareness. So um, mindfulness is just, so if, for example, uh, every morning I get up, I do my gratitude. So I, at least five to 10 things I'm grateful for just to mentally have positive thoughts and also being aware of how you feel. So if you feel like you're being negative or you're feeling a particular way, that if you're not happy, yeah. you'll be able to be uh, aware of that and then know what to do to change it. So deflect your attention to things yeah. you should be grateful for because circumstances, people, and events will be attracted to you based on how you feel. If you feel, if you feel negative about money, for example, or I, I cannot pay this bill, then you're gonna get more bills that would reinforce that idea that you don't have enough money to pay the bills. So, yeah. and, so that's basically uh, what, I, what mindfulness is all about. And, um, I do believe it affects your self-confidence because if you believe in yourself, like I'm going to make dope ass music that's going to, you know, make people happy. And I genuinely feel that every day, then I'll meet people, I'll get events and circumstances that would support that vision I have. And my vision becomes a reality by, by so doing. Yeah. 
True. No, yeah. I don't. I do understand, and you're very correct about it. Like the explanation is just perfect because, um, but then I want to coin it in another angle. Like you've you've talked about being mindful and then going going to get it, but then I also want to talk to people who are self confident, right? I feel like people who are self confident sometimes fail to check up on themselves you know mm -hmm. because you're so self-confident you've got everything under control or you've got most of your things under control it's rare for you to do your self-check like are you in a good space mm -hmm. are you genuinely happy are you genuinely good like you know checking up on yourself so practicing like dick terrence just said practicing mindfulness is is, is good because you can acknowledge when you're down you can say oh okay i'm down it's okay for me to be down because I can always just be kicking ass, kicking ass, mm -hmm. kicking ass. It's okay for me to be down. So mindfulness plays in both angles. Like yeah, to yeah, definitely. You, but also to like check up on you. Like, are you good? Are you in a good space? Because the mind is the one doing all the work. If the mind is not good, it's not healthy, you cannot achieve all those projects, all those desires that you have. So I think you're very right about it. Yeah, thanks. And uh, just... Um from another perspective uh what is it like for a woman or a black woman would you say it is more challenging to believe in yourself as a black woman in today's society um yeah it's it's it it depends if it's a black woman in africa yes uh -huh. extremely challenging a black <laughs> okay. woman an african woman in in europe or in america or in, in canada it's fairly challenging it's not as severe really? as in africa. yes because in africa the mindset i'm not gonna lie i know i'm an african it's very rigid it's very myopic you need to go to school get a job get a husband get kids that's your line but then if you're an African woman in Africa, you want to launch a project, you want to do this, you want to do that, they tell you, calm yourself down. Like, <laughs> okay. what you want to do it is great. But when you get to a certain age, like you're 27, 28, they're like, oh, you're doing all of this stuff, but are you married? Um, do you have any kids? You know, there's always that. So that, there's, still, there's still that perception you know, that, of... Yeah, rigidness, yeah, okay. which is maybe, it's just their way of life. I'm not saying in all of Africa, but in most parts, I speak from my own experience, but you can be pushful, but they always want that a little bit of male acknowledgement next to yeah. you. I think it's more of a cultural aspect, right? It's more of a cultural yeah. thing. And, yeah. and since the, the culture here in Europe is a little bit more loose, so to speak, yeah. and more feminine-centric, feminine yeah. You know, so that, you know, women here have more of uh, the ability to basically blossom on this side. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't, it, I'm not trying to say like in Africa, women don't, don't kick ass. They do, they do. But the challenges they face every day, like if you go into an office, like, sir, I want to drop this document for my project. They will be like, um, okay, how old are you? I'm 20. Why are you not married? I literally had that experience just some few months ago. <laughs> when crazy. I went my home country to go renew my passport and i got into the office and i'm like i want to renew my passport and they're like oh why are you not married i'm like i just want to renew my passport <laughs> i don't know how this relates to what i'm trying to do right now <laughs> so That's it's crazy you know challenges where they but if a lady has like her engagement ring and stuff or when we don't really make those remarks but a young lady it's very like common you know yeah and, Talking about the other side, being a, a black or an African woman in Canada, 
the challenges are not there per se. It's a free country. If you want to achieve things, you can literally achieve them. You right. just put your mind to it, go get it. Your support systems here to get to, to give you the, the resources you need. And over here is all about meritocracy. If you're good at what you do, you get it. You can be black, white, yellow, whatever, you, you can get like the recognition you want. So okay. it's not that bad. It's, it's just a little subtle stops, but it's not as um, severe as back home. All right, I wasn't aware of that. Thanks for the insight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think that draws the end of my of our of our interview. Uh, well, thank you again for agreeing to come and chat with me, and thanks for your contribution on today's episode. I I hope our listeners found this episode very useful. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Um, you know, if you want to have a talk with us, and for those of you listening, share your experience. Tell me if. Uh, I was completely beside the point with this topic. And uh, either way, I'm always happy to hear your feedback. So, Lady T, once again, thank you for stopping by. It was a pleasure. And uh, you take care. I will definitely keep in touch. And hopefully, you can, be on, uh, you can come back again on another episode of Side Note. Thank you so much for having me, Terrence. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. This brings the episode to an end, guys. Thanks again so much for tuning in. And until next time, I've been your host, Deterrence. Stay safe. Thank you. All right, so we're going to jump right in. I'll just click on recording. So um, hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Side Note with Deterrence. Uh, Happy New Year. This is going to be uh, one of the first episodes of 2021. So Happy New Year to everyone. I hope the year has been up to a good start. Uh, today we have a good guest. Um, my guest is uh, a writer, a sound therapist, an entrepreneur, and uh, as I just gathered, she's also been a TV host. So uh, she's uh, she's very talented. This is uh, Miss uh, Kate uh, Kunkel. So welcome to the show. And, Thank you very uh, much. Thanks for accepting to join our show and and, and share your story. Today we're talking about setting up shop abroad, right? So as an expert. Right. Uh, what, are the, what, what are the challenges when you go and say, I want to make a business in another country? But before we get into all that, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to us, give us a little bit of the background of where you're from, and, uh, and we can take you from there. Sure. I'm Kate, and I was raised in Canada, uh, near Toronto, and then oh. I lived in the U.S. for 25 years. I was uh, in television and the movie industry, um, and then I turned to harping. I became a harpist. I learned how to play harp and I played in Las Vegas for many wow. years. So I've had several different uh, careers. And then when I came back to Canada, because my mom was sick with dementia. So I came back to Canada to help out. And um, from there, I took on a whole nother uh, calling. I became a magazine editor. I'd always been writing, but I became a magazine editor. And I met my husband and um, we traveled here on vacation. And the next thing we knew, <laughs> We own a resort. <laughs> cool. You mentioned some uh, Toronto because in the closer Toronto, my little sister lives in Toronto right now. Uh, ah. Yeah, so uh, I need to probably think of go visit, visit her. Um, but not now. Identify... Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> do you identify more with the you know the U.S. culture since you spend most of your time in the U.S. as opposed to you know, the Canadian you know uh, origins? Um. It was really interesting because I did spend most of my adult life in Can in the U.S. 
Um, the big difference is, I think, the attitude toward country. Um, okay. You know, like Canadians are a little bit self-effacing. And I find that Canadians actually have uh, almost a better sense of humor sometimes because they don't take themselves and the country so seriously, like they make jokes about it and, uh -huh. and that sort of thing. Whereas Americans tend to be a little more ethnocentric in terms of the US of A. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big difference for me when I moved to the US from Canada and then back again, because when I moved to the US, People didn't understand my sense of humor at all. <laughs> what they, part of the U.S. Did you, did you move to? What was your first Cali California. California. Okay, okay. California. And, and, and as, as fun as it was, and I loved it, I, I was a little bit odd there because of my sense of humor. I do have a Canadian sense of humor, and I never lost that in those 25 years. But, um, yeah, it got me into trouble sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. All right, cool. And you mentioned, because I had a chance to check out your, your website, um, you know, helping with dementia. And I, to be honest with you, I had no idea that this was something that could be um, uh, addressed by, you know, your methods, the nutrition and lifestyle. And that was, so that was a good learning for me. Uh, but how, how did that, um, how did you come about to, 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 to look into that? Obviously you have your, your personal experience with your mom, well, um, was there anything else that inspired you to go look for information to, to find a way to remedy this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was in my early 50s when I went back to Canada and my, my mom's illness scared me because her mom had had dementia and my father's mother had dementia. So, you know, I was pretty concerned that that might happen to me. Uh -huh. So I needed to figure out why it happened and how I could fix it and prevent it. I was too late to help mom. You know, okay. she had already been, she was pretty far advanced when they figured out what was wrong with her. Right. Um, so that we were really too late to do much except for make her enjoy things a little bit more in her last time there. That must've been tough. It was really tough. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I, mm. I, it's really a tough road to hoe. But my, uh, I decided that watching her deteriorate like that I was going to do everything in my power to make sure I didn't that was number one <laughs> and then all the stuff I learned I was helping my friends and my sister and 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 my gosh you know David I feel more energetic now at 63 than I did at 43. That's I can do <laughs> I can do more stuff now than I ever did I have lots of young friends because I you know I can do call kinds of cool stuff. I have lots of young friends and they pass out before me. They're tuckered out before I am. But that's because of the lifestyle. And I've learned that by doing all of these things that also make me feel awesome now, mm -hmm. I also have a much better chance of not developing any kind of cognitive decline. Right. Okay. So basically what you're saying is from a lifestyle perspective, we're talking about your nutrition, we're talking about your mental state, right? Um, Playing devil's advocate here, right? Someone could say, um, in order to, it, it's kind of going to be like a solution or a remedy for uh, for the middle class, right? So anybody below middle class will struggle because uh, you know you have this whole thing with you know fast food and 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 uh, all the other junks we eat nowadays, which doesn't do us any good. But for some people, that's yeah. just what they can afford, right? So, um, in in that instance, what would you think? 
would be the best approach. So I'll give you an example. I'm originally from Cameroon, right? So my yeah, from, from right. Central Africa. And growing up, I noticed um, my, my mom changed the uh, diet of my dad, right? So um, in Africa, we, it's easy to get fresh stuff. So, you know, you can go yes. down in your, in your backyard and you're good to go. But even with that, mom always made sure that that didn't have any greasy, oily stuff, right? So the meat was, you know, cooked without any of the fats and stuff. And that slowly, you know, it wasn't like a, a drastic change, but a phase out, like phasing him out of it. How would you, how would you, how would you say in, in the Western world, how would we approach that for, yeah. for, for people who are less fortunate though? That's a, you know. That's a really good question. And I do know that food deserts are a big problem, especially in the big cities yeah. in the Western world, everywhere in the Western world, especially the US, it's a big problem. But um, I would say, if you have access to cooking utensils, water and a stove, then you can cook beans and rice and lentils and yeah, onions yeah, yeah. and garlic. Those things are not expensive. Sure. Sure. Carrots are not expensive. Potatoes are not expensive. Even when you're in a food desert and you're going to the, the local variety store, yeah. usually they'll have potatoes, yeah. right? So I think even more than, than the, the problem itself, it's education. Because we think that if we're going to eat healthy, we have to have, you know, tomatoes and oranges <laughs> and, and bananas and pineapples. And yeah. yes, those are important, but you can still do it without yeah. all of that all the time I think, and I think frozen you, yeah you touched on a very important point there because rice beans carrots uh, you know they're onions. not expensive right onions i think it's that, that 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 notion that um um it's easier to order order food as opposed to cooking yes. food right so um especially now with the confinement i think you would know i have noticed a spike right in uh, in the deliver delivery and you know <laughs> All the other uh, um, uh, food delivery services, which, in as much as it's it's helpful, I think we're making it to become, it's replacing that traditional sense of being in the kitchen, you know, and cooking something for yourself. So you're right; it's probably a change in mindset as well uh, with, yeah. with the way you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's been my whole thing for since I started educating on this. It's just to to make it so that and anybody can go for a walk unless you can't walk. Anybody can go for a walk. Sure. So you don't have to belong to a gym to get exercise, yeah. you know, and even though many people are confined now, you can still meet like you and I are meeting. No, it's not the same. You're not getting hugs in that personal interaction, but you can challenge each other. You mm -hmm. can talk mm -hmm. and, and learn. Oh my gosh, this is the ideal time to learn new things, which is very yeah. important. Yeah. I mean, yeah? side note was born. This came to life as a result of COVID because I've always wanted to do this, but there wasn't any time, right? And then I had like three months to myself. I was like, well, we might as well talk, <laughs> right? So, and here we are. So you spot on on that again. Um, but do you miss it though? Like, you you know, movie industry, what, um, you know, uh, working for other different uh, industries and then coming into this new field. Uh, how was that transition? How did you adjust to it? Um, well, it's it's been kind of a, a two in one because we bought, Casa Specificos here in Ecuador about the same time that I was changing my whole 
um, online career because I was a harpist, mm -hmm. you know, and I was teaching harp online. Um, but when we moved here, I brought my harps and I held a couple of retreats and stuff, but I realized that my interests were changing. So my interests were changing to, to help people in another way. My mm -hmm. I've been teaching and coaching before, but this was a different kind. So it was still the teacher in me coming out because that's at my heart what I am. Um, but owning Casa Pacificos gave me the freedom to really focus on what I could do on a grander scale. So by bringing people here and holding retreats and teaching them how to cook and how to eat properly in a place where it's so beautiful and the food is so inexpensive, <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't as big a cultural change that way in, in okay. terms of my career, my teaching. Okay. The change was from the culture. You know, right. I had to get used to a lot. <laughs> yeah, let's, a let's, lot of let's, let's jump into that. That's a nice segue <laughs> into that. Um, so um, at what point did you and your spouse go, okay, we are going to relocate to Ecuador, right? Like when was that decision made? And yeah. also you mentioned, you know, you bought the place. What were the financial preparations you guys had to take? Because um, a lot of us, I mean, when I mean us, I mean uh, experts, people who are non-nationals living in another city, a lot, we want to kind of contribute to the society, right? And that sure. involves in some, in some uh, parts, investing in, in being an entrepreneur. So, First, when was that point of saying, you know what, we're going to relocate. And then when you make that decision, what, what was the financial logic behind that from your point of view? Yeah. So when we came here on vacation, it was I had been offered a job here in Ecuador on a TV station in Quito for okay. expats. Okay. So I, I turned that down, but it was sort of sticking in my mind. Ecuador was a place where there were possibilities because I didn't want to live in the cold anymore. Yeah. I had no nine years in the cold was enough. So <laughs> we we um, we came here on vacation and drove around. We just rented a car and whatever happened, happened. And we just landed here in Punta Carnero, which is on the coast uh, on the Salinas Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And we basically fell in love with the country that was in 2014. So we just, it was on vacation. It was kind of exploratory, but nothing really to, to make decisions on. We didn't think anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we land here in Punta Carnero and we talk to the people at the bed and breakfast and we say, you know, we kind of like it here. Maybe we'll come back and look for a place because it was at the end of our trip that we came here. And she, and the hostess said, well, there's a place right around the corner for sale. Maybe you could go have a look. So she called the people who owned it and we came over and looked and I have to tell you, it was a wreck and ruin. It was in really bad shape. Yeah. It was like dirt and a crumbling tennis court. And the houses were pretty in pretty good shape. We have five houses on the property. They mm -hmm. were in pretty good shape. But um, anyway, we, we, we left and we, thank you. We went back to Canada and for seven months, we talked about this. What could we do with this place? And because I was a healer and a harpist and I had all these ideas, I always wanted to have a place for peace and healing. Mm -hmm. That was it. I, I have drawings in my files from years ago. I had this vision of a place of peace and healing. So we talked about it. Okay. Then we had to figure out where we're going to get the money because you can't get a mortgage if you're mm. an, a, um, an expat. An expat. Or, yeah. Yeah. 
So we had to, you know, cash some things in and beg, borrow and steal for the money. So we got, we got the money together and then we came down and made an offer and it got accepted. So it was, it closed <laughs> as only can happen in Ecuador or South America. Uh, it closed seven months late because of, of some problems with the property. Anyway, mm-hmm. we got it in 2016. So we closed mm-hmm. in May of 2016. And then we, we remodeled, we renovated um, from there. Okay. But it was in 2016 that we, you know, or 2015 that we finally decided, yes, we're going to commit to Ecuador because not because of Ecuador in and of itself, but because it was a great place for me to take my next step, you know, yeah. in terms of the healing work. Okay. Uh, guys, just, I'm go- just wanted to point out a few things that um, uh, Kate mentioned. You know me, I'm, I'm big on like uh, spirituality and, and mindfulness and all that. There's two things she said. You had drawings from way back that was geared uh, towards peace and, you know, and, and all that, uh, which, and I also noticed that you, you had a clear vision of what you wanted to do, right? So you, you kind of wished or wished your present situation into existence, if I should say yes. so. So uh, this is just an example again, guys, of what I was talking about, like having a clear vision of what you want to achieve and believe in it and just carry on living your life, doing your part. The universe will find a way to guide you to, uh, to that exact checkpoint where you know she was on holiday and just by chance there was a house i was ready for uh to be purchased and they were able to you know put a put a payment so techno guys this this thing this stuff is real so <laughs> but uh, so i checked out the website casa casas pacificos and it's amazing it looks gorgeous uh the pictures are really really good uh so what do you guys do there it's, it's i understand it's like a retweet um, yes. Uh, where um, you can come in pairs and stay for a couple a week or more, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Any other, yeah. So what what exactly do you guys offer to your to your guests? It depends on whether they're coming for a retreat or just on vacation. Okay. So in high in high season, which is now summer here, um, we just rent out the houses, and it's mostly for people to just come on vacation. Obviously, that's not happening a lot right now. Yeah. But we we did have a Canadian; he was here for three months. We've had a few Ecuadorians come and stay mm-hmm. for a week. Um, so it's just a you just rent a house. It's a perfectly equipped house. Everything you could possibly need, right down to the knives and forks. Um, and so they come and rent a house. That's in high season. Then when things slow down a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of tourism, then I offer retreats. So when we first opened, when you said about the dream, I have to share this because it, it's inspiring for anybody who has a dream. I, was, I had a, a bunch of harpists here. I have nine harps on the property. Mm-hmm. I had all these harpists here. And we had done our lessons in the morning here in Casa de Musica. We built this just for my harps. And I had taken them all outside. And um, I was playing the harp. We have a labyrinth. And I was playing the harp and all my harpists were doing the labyrinth. And, and it was like this, this light came shining down on me. Oh my gosh, this was my dream. I have these people here. They're walking in a labyrinth. I'm playing my harp for them. And it's all about peace and meditation and, and connecting with nature. 
because they were all barefoot in the lab. Yeah. I mean, I I wish I wish everybody could experience that feeling of where yeah. your dream that you didn't even realize it was still around, but it came true. Yeah, and you have That's, that deja vu kind of feeling. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that happened, and I just have to share that because it was so powerful, and it and it it keeps me going through a lot of stuff here because you know the business is basically non-existent now yeah but when things open up again and people can travel because we're open here in ecuador ecuador is open um mm -hmm. you just have to come with a negative pcr test yeah but yeah. um people it's the trouble in other places like europe and north america where it's they have more trouble but anyway when it opens up again what well, like we did before we will hold healing music retreats harp retreats i'm also a writer as you know mm -hmm. so i will continue holding writers retreats but now with don't let the memories fade out and the programs i have instituted for brain health i also have a retreat set up so that people will come but they won't stay for just two weeks they'll stay for two months Ooh, nice. and we are going to change their lifestyle in a sustainable way because it takes about six weeks for a real lifestyle change to come into place to, to make it stick. Yeah. So they're going to come down here. We are going to work on their diet, the exercise, the meditation, the movement, everything like that. The way I do it in the book, I set mm. up, it's an eight week program and we're just going to do that for eight weeks. So far I have two couples coming down. So it's just a matter of when things will open up as soon as things open up, because people are concerned about losing their minds. And if you're Especially 60 years old, in these times, yeah. exactly. The, mm. the isolation and the stress are really causing a lot of issues. And I think we're going to see a lot more later on as yeah, like a knock on effect. Yeah. The mental, mental health. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what we do here at Casa Specifico. So we have the houses that all have their own kitchen, but I also have my dream kitchen because I love <laughs> to cook. I have my dream kitchen and we will all prepare food together so that it becomes, um, you know, like a family thing. So mm -hmm. that people, because like you said, people don't do that cooking and chopping thing. No. But if you get, get people involved in that and, and make it just a part of their being, then they can do it. Now, that this is for people who obviously have the money to do this, but yeah. I can I guide people through that online too. But the, the, what we do here is just an immersive experience, you know? Mm -hmm. You get me mm -hmm. and all this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wanted to come back on the, uh, you know, once when you guys just started, so this has been on for uh, three years. So from a, from a cultural point of view, what were the challenges you had to face as foreigners setting yeah. up a business and then also being accepted in the community and basically creating that environment that is conducive for you as a person, but also for the business to grow? How was that like? So, so the, the cultural thing was the language is, is partly because of language. I'm studying Spanish every day. I work on it very hard. Most of my friends here are Ecuadorians. Okay. So I get a lot of chance to, to speak Spanish. Um, that was a, probably the biggest cultural thing just because of the language. Mm -hmm. So it, fortunately our contractor who, who was um, here most of the time, he is fluently like he speaks five different languages. So he was fluent and he helped a lot, of course, 
with our, our initial dealing with things like the power company and, and all of that, because mm -hmm. that's a whole new world too, just dealing with the utilities here. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's a real different um, way of doing things. So we had to, to work our way through the bureaucracy. And I got to tell you, there is a YouTube video of a girl in some Spanish speaking country where a bureaucrat's trying to stop her from getting what she needs done, done. And she's got all this paperwork. And every time he asks her for something, she's got it ready for him because she's obviously been to that office 50 times. And I can say that I have gone through that myself where you go to an office and this is what you're supposed to get. And then the next time you go back, no, that's not it. You need this too. And wow, you might yeah. go back five or six mm. times and finally you'll get, yeah. you'll get done what you need done. We, we have a saying here and it's not just me. It's not just foreigners who say this Ecuadorians say it too. Anytime you need something done, give yourself three times at least <laughs> because it's going to take <laughs> three trips and my my heritage is german you're in germany you know what germans are like oh yeah. we we <laughs> we're kind of particular you know so uh that like, was a bit of germans are very straight you know so it has to be like planned and organized and all yeah 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 a little <laughs> bit ocd yeah, so yeah. anyway <laughs> so that was a challenge for me and for my husband because my husband was in sales and business all his life and and he like appointments are at time and you know da, 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 da. so he really struggled with the laissez-faire attitude so that was the big cultural thing however getting accepted by the ecuadorians it's really interesting because we hired a man to do uh covers for our air conditioners because we're here on the salt so when off season it gets nice and cool and you don't need air conditioning so we had to have covers made for the air conditioners Marcelo made them. Mm -hmm. We we kept going back and we would bring people. He's also a cobbler. Like there are real cobblers here. They make shoes for you. It's oh, so yeah. wonderful. And they're so <laughs> beautiful. Like, and you can get things fixed. You can get per so when guests would come, I would always take them to Marcelo and he would, you know, he was always so happy about that. So when his daughter was graduating from high school, he invited my husband to be her padrino. Oh. which is like a godfather mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and um that's quite an honor you know and it's yeah. like walking my husband's daughter died of cancer when she oh. was 27 so he never got to walk her down the aisle and she didn't go to her graduation because she was sick there were all kinds of issues there so angie who's become um like a granddaughter to us she and lynn got to walk down the aisle together for this graduation since then that family has become our family and their family has become our extended family and it has been and i have a friend who's who has an ecuadorian an american friend who has an ecuadorian boyfriend and so we're like this big mishmash of family and so that wasn't the hard part getting getting accepted okay. <laughs> and now okay. it's fun yeah so it's like they were very warm and and willing because we weren't trying to be uh, foreigners, we didn't try to get across the idea. So that you we just were... wanted to integrate yourself and, you know, learn your exactly. ways. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's very key as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody does that. There are a lot mm, of people who true, don't do that. True. Yeah. So that's, I'm really happy. I mean, I'm actually thinking about this, uh, you know, uh, maybe visiting Ecuador and who knows, maybe bumping to you guys over there because 
we haven't I haven't been on vacation for ages though. Like with, whole, <laughs> with this whole a lot of people thing. haven't been on vacation <laughs> ages. <laughs> so um so uh we with, with with this in mind, so if 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 you could give an advice or if you could give a uh, on two things, right? So if you could give an advice to our listeners uh, who uh, want to start up a business or are in the process of setting up a business, uh, like what are the little tips you can, let's say two or three tips or five tips you can give these guys to keep in mind um, when planning or in the process of setting up a business? It could be a, a YouTube channel or I don't know, uh, yeah. a dance studio, but just being going on your own and trusting your gut to go, okay, I believe in this and I want to see it through. Get, get all of your paperwork requirements no matter what business it is in North America, it doesn't matter where it is. Yeah. Make sure you've got your paperwork requirements because like here, if we have to get something shipped down to us, it's like more than a hundred dollars to get a piece of paper down here. Okay. So, so, you know, in any kind of time frame. so get paperwork, make sure you talk to the real people that can make those decisions or that are going to make the requirements. So, don't go on a Facebook group and say, hey, what do you think of, or, you know, what are the requirements? Mm. No, no. Okay. You go to the, the consulate or the embassy or whatever. Make sure you, you do that. Put your patient hat on and keep it firmly <laughs> there. And that goes true because I started a business in California too. And I have to, and that was in 1989. I can tell you from even then how many hoops I had to jump through to have a business even there even then so whenever you're starting a business make sure you don't expect it to happen right away right make it's sure you give yeah. yourself the time to do it properly and have a year's worth of capital in your back pocket because you don't know what's going to happen. What if you had just started your business in January of 2020 mm -hmm. and you didn't have a year's worth of capital? What then? Yeah, you're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. You know, so, so I learned that very, very, <laughs> that was a hard lesson that I learned a long time ago. So I say that to people. And when we came here, it cost us a lot of money to do the renovations, but I was continuing to work as, a, as an editor. So I had the income coming in, but for people who are going to stop and, and just do it, mm -hmm. you know, make sure you've got the enough capital because you can, it can make the difference between making this business live or not. Okay. You know, so there you have it guys. So get your right paperwork. Patience. I think, I mean, everything good like anything worthwhile takes time i guess so you just have to get get in the right mindset to understand that this is going to be a long journey and enjoy the process but don't rush it yes and have capital at least a year's worth right of, of yes. a year's work of capital uh reserve to just in case for rainy days right so and uh, the second one which i, I had to talk about it because yeah, I'm, I'm, spirituality and everything is also important from a spiritual point of view right so we all are going on right now with the COVID situation it's very challenging from a mental point of view right how would you advise our listeners in terms of 
use in meditation and any other practices to not only you know make it through this but also use it to thrive like not just to grow exactly to grow and push yourself um because I, I i believe that the world could use a little bit more of mindfulness in today's oh. society yeah <laughs> amen amen <laughs> brother <laughs> yes mindfulness the word is mindfulness uh, and i that is true during covid that's true during any um challenge i've i've been through many many challenges in my life uh you know by the time you get to this age you've had a few so um mindfulness doing one thing um like this idea of multitasking uh the idea that we can do more than one thing at once yeah you can watch tv and cook at the same time but you can't pay attention to both of those things at the same time our our Human brains aren't made that way. We we are not like a computer where there's hard part of the hard drive working doing this and part doing this. We we have to focus on one task at a time. Even with, it's sequential and we can do it pretty fast. We can switch, but I think a lot of the tension, the pressure we put on ourselves, is kind of a societal thing to think we can do all of this stuff. And if we can't, then there's something wrong with us. If you're not a good multitasker, there's something wrong with you. Mindfulness is the exact opposite of multitasking, where you're doing one thing with your full attention, which in itself is almost a meditation. It is a meditation. Mm -hmm. Try this exercise. I have my students do this. Eat an orange mindfully with all five senses. Just do that. Feel it when you, when you take it smell it when you feel it when you peel it yeah. all of those things eat an orange mindfully and bring that to everything you do once you've eaten an orange mindfully you will see what i mean yeah that is that is that focus i think the average person probably has dinner while watching tv meaning that just the mouth is working and then everything else is like you know out there paying attention to something else. So yeah, I'll definitely give that a try because I would say I'm guilty of, because I do music, so I can be uh, listening to a new song that I just did and I'm having food. So it's like I'm split in my you know attention, so, so to speak. So I'll definitely give that orange a mindful yeah, so you're not, a try. Yeah. You're not getting all the nutrition from your food because we need to, give our food attention. Um, so when you, the process of chewing and swallowing, um, it, it is sort of automatic, but not really, because if you're not paying attention, you're not chewing properly, you're okay. not swallowing mindfully. So um, you're not getting all the benefits, all the vitamins and, and minerals from it. Because oh. we, we need that conscious, um, that's why the tea ceremonies, that's why those things are so important to societies, to the Japanese society, because that, that function, green tea is very, very good for you. That mm -hmm. function is, is adding, the, the mindful practice is adding to the quality of the nutrition. So yeah, that, I think that's one thing during COVID, during any time, because the pressure, the stress is, is depleting our, oh my goodness, all of our nutrients are getting depleted just from stress. The yeah. cortisol levels are increasing. So it's taking, it takes more nutrients when we're stressed to keep that level 
But then when we're stressed, we're also losing those nutrients. So mm -hmm. it's a double barreled thing. So the more you can do to be mindful and to pay attention and to cook good, it doesn't have to be expensive. I love lentil soup and it's like, it's like cheap. <laughs> it's like a dollar for a big bag and I have three meals. But, but that can, um, that's an important thing to think about during COVID and any time to be mindful. If you meditate as well, consciously meditate. And if you can't do that, mindfully breathe. Take in three deep diaphragm breaths. If you can't, if you just can't sit to meditate, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. a lot of people can't, do some deep breathing. That helps a lot too. It's yeah. really important. What I always try to teach my younger ones and uh, friends is like, so I, it's been, let's see, three years now that I've been meditating every morning before I leave the room, like before I leave my bed, I do a 10 minutes meditation with the, I think the, the Calm app, like a guided yes. meditation. Good. And I have observed an, an impressive change in my approach to the day and also in just my, my mental state right so I try to get my loved ones and siblings and friends to not okay not necessarily 10 minutes but five you know or do a sleeping meditation and, and see how that goes and stuff like that yeah yes very good excellent excellent and also journaling can be a meditation I just started that this last month it's weird for I've never done that before so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about journaling. It's like writing to yourself. So it's still, I'm still no, getting no, no, used no. to that. Okay, so here's a really cool tip. I had a lady on my Facebook Live um, program last, last week, two weeks ago, and she is a journaling um, guru, okay. but she, she was teaching gratitude journaling. Oh, so right. this is, so you just think about the things you're thankful for that day. Mm -hmm. So you got up and you had a really good cup of coffee. And you start just writing about that. And then you can draw. I draw in my journal. My journal is a mishmash of everything <laughs> because I'm also a musician. I'll start writing songs or, or I'll do, um, you know, um, drawings. I do mandalas, you know, I do stuff like wow. that. I just like my journal, my journal is just full of hearts and flowers and, <laughs> and um, writing. I keep it here because lots of times I, I just, jot things you know i might have a thought that i want to do so journaling can also be a meditation and okay. gratitude journaling is a really powerful meditation right but um, that's something we have to try yeah guys so gratitude uh journaling so we have to uh, explore that avenue and see and see what we can bring out of it but i i literally started journaling a few weeks ago roughly a month because i was listening to another podcast and that that came up and uh, uh, the benefits of it was quite intriguing so i was like why not give it a try so we'll see good, Definitely. good. <laughs> so um kate i won't keep you too long just one more question um from my side um with everything that you've been able to experience so from your professional personal you know and uh, other areas of your life what have been what have, what has been the those low moments, right? You know, those moments where you feel like, okay, um, I can't take this anymore. And how did you circumvent that? Like, how did you, how would you, how did you, yeah, how did you, how did you walk around that? What was your recipe for that? I'm going to share one story that I, I won't take long, but it'll show you what happened. 
I had a very stressful business in California. I mentioned it. Um, I was not happy. I was very un, unsettled in my life. And I knew that I wasn't doing what I was put here on this planet to do. Mm -hmm. I was driving across a bridge um, in Palm Springs. There, there are big washes or gullies. And this bridge crossed this gully. And as I approached the bridge in my car, I thought, wow, it would just be so much easier to just drive off this bridge. It would just be so much easier because I can't take this anymore. Now, obviously I didn't do that, but it scared me when I realized that I was that unhappy that I would even let that thought cross my mind. Drove home and I, my, everybody in my family is asleep. I'm working late again. I get to the house and I cried myself to sleep. But before I went to sleep, I put it out there to the universe. And I think this is an important lesson for anybody. If you're really in a down place or a, a very troubled place to ask for help, because mm -hmm. I believe the universe has a way of helping us. And this has happened a few times, but this particular one, I, I went to bed and I said, if there's anybody out there, please, I need help. I am, I don't know what else to do. That night, I was given a dream. And in that dream, I played a harp. I was 32 years old. I'd never seen a harp in my mm -hmm. life in person. And, and in the dream, I felt so good, so peaceful. And I woke up. And I, at that morning, I said to my husband at the time, I said, I have to get a harp. <laughs> okay. So I found a little harp and that changed my life. That dream, that call for help changed my life and sent me on the path, not just to be an entertainer, because I was that too, but it sent me on the healing path that I was supposed to be on. Wow. Wow. So if, if you, your question was, you know, what, what do I suggest? I suggest asking for help, acknowledging mm -hmm. and asking. Wow. That's powerful. That's, that's, whoa. Okay. Um, yeah. I think, I think there's nothing else to add to that because <laughs> <laughs> I always say this in, um, when, when I speak to, 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 to my friends, like we, have uh, the power to do so much, but also the power to do so little, right? And um, in your experience, you asked for help, but also you were conscious enough to identify and the dream and, and, and not just- Oh yeah. Put it to the side. So that's very powerful. So if anyone was going out, going through any tough time, you know, just, you were brought, we we're all brought into this world to play a role. Right? Until you've played that role, you're not done. So as kids tell, just ask for help. Tell the universe, like, yo, I'm stuck. Yes, yes. Okay. And then, and, and like you, you just said, and that was a very good point, pay attention to the exactly. answers. Because they're going to come. You just have to be, you know, very attentive to, to notice them when they show up because they, yes. will, they will be there. Uh, yes. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Kate, for your time today. Uh, you did mention you have a book that's out. Could you tell us uh, the, the book title and also where we can find you in social media 
or if you got a Facebook and so that the users can, uh, I'm going to put that in the description, guys, when I publish the episode, so don't worry. <laughs> it's um, don't let the memories fade. That's that. Yeah, that's I can see there. That there. <laughs> don't let the memories fade. Um, and it's available on Amazon in print and ebook. And you can just get me at kateconkle.com. All my links to social media are there. And I'm just, I'm pretty well everywhere. Just put in brain health and I'm, I'm there. Brilliant. So there you have it, guys. Kate Conkle was our guest. We've learned so much, not only about setting up shop and what to do in that situation when you're in a new country and how to integrate, but also, as you know, the spiritual side of things, which I believe is like the fuel for your car to take you, you know, in a long way. So uh, thank you so much again for taking the time out to speak to us. Um, My pleasure. <laughs> and I wish you all the best with your adventures uh, and uh, your endeavors with the uh, Casa Pacificos, your book, you. the healing and, uh, and everything else you got going. Uh, I wish you nothing but luck and, and uh, hopefully, when COVID is done, I will make it to, to Ecuador and I'll definitely reach out. And I'm going to make it to Germany because I'm working on my next book and I have to go to Germany to do it. So I'll yeah, so catch you there. Yeah. <laughs> we can help okay. each other out. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.